River Road, you got me running way back home. River Road, you got me running all night long. You got me singing some canal boat song. River Road, River Road, you got me running all night long. Hello, everybody, Niner Nation, Niner Gang. Welcome to another episode of Niner Nuts. I'm Dan, along with James. James, say hello. What's up, Niner Nation? And as you all presumably know, because we all watched it together, we had our season come to quite an abrupt ending yesterday. Uh, We're taping this on what had been Victory Monday for the last 12 weeks. Uh, we fell to the Philadelphia Eagles in Philadelphia to the score of 31 to 7. Um, yeah, congratulations. <laughs> on, on, honestly, congratulations, uh, James, Jimmy B. Congratulations for your Eagles going to the Super Bowl. I, I'll, I have my thoughts. But first, um, before we really get into it, I don't have anything exciting to tell about how I watched the game. I just watched it at home by myself because my uh, fiance was at work. Um, where did you end up watching the game? Let the listeners know. Just so you know, before I get into that story too, I'm drinking uh, my special Glenn Levitt out of my, where's the fly Eagles fly? It's hard to see on this stupid thing, but this glass, and I'm drinking scotch out of my fly Eagles fly rock glass right now uh, to celebrate this victory. But where I, game, where I watched the game and how I got there. So <clears throat> the Giants game, you know, was last week on Saturday. And, you know, I told Kim, my wife, before, uh, before you know, the playoffs started that, you know, I wanted to watch it with Eagles fans. Like, you know, that was one of the things, like, when they made their last Super Bowl run, I was pretty much, I was pretty much the only Eagles fan. And there was just people around me who are just either watchers of football or not really fans, you know? And so she, you know, she wanted me, I told her there was a guy at the American Legion that I wanted to have over. His name is Tom. And so when they were playing, you know, when we found out that they were playing on the giants on Saturday at eight o'clock, I messaged Tom. I was like, Tom, do you want to come over for the game at eight o'clock? He texted me that it was too late to come over. Like he couldn't get out there at eight o'clock. So, the second plan was to go to the bar walk-ons, which is maybe about 10, 15 minutes away from my house to go watch the game there. So I go watch the game at walk-ons. We kick the crap out of the Giants. I'm like, yay, now this is where I have to watch the games, right? I can't go anywhere else. I can't ruin the mojo. I have to watch the game at walk-ons. So hundred percent, yeah. So Saturday comes and I'm explaining to my wife again, you know, that I have to go to walk on to watch the game. And she's all disappointed. Like, you know, I'm telling her the mojo is going to be off if I don't go to walk ons. And she's like, that's ridiculous. Just text your friend Tom and see if he wants to come over for the game. You know, and I just I just didn't want to argue about it that much. So yeah, I texted Tom. You know, I text Tom, I was like, listen, the game's at three this week. Do you want to do you want to come over? And this is what he texts me. He goes, James, thanks for the offer, but I'm probably going to have to record the first half hour or so until I get back to Merritt Island. I'm a little superstitious, and that worked for our Eagles last Saturday. Fly, Eagles, fly. So, <laughs> so I look at her. I'm like, 
can I go to walk-ons now? <laughs> you know, like, don't you see? This is who we are. We're like, this is, we have to do this. Like, this is our thing. Like, we're, the mojo has to work. So she, she said that the way I asked was so cute that she, she let me go to walk-ons. And so I watched the game at walk-ons and we kicked the crap out of you guys. And it was a great day. And I'm, I'm like, well, got to go over there for the Super Bowl now, you know? Oh, dude. I yes, I that place hopefully will be pretty packed too. Like I, I genuinely am very happy, and I will gladly cheer for the Eagles over Patrick Mahomes. I will not get over Super Bowl Fifty Four until he retires. Like, kind of like it, kind of like I couldn't truly get over Super Bowl Forty Seven uh, until we, <laughs> until we see how laughably bad Flacco is with the Jets. But neither here nor there. Um, I'll save the. I have the box score up. I always call them nerd numbers. I'll save those for later because some of them are kind of interesting. But, um, but no, I, man, I guess, I don't know. I guess to really sum up just what happened in this game from, from my Niners perspective, in a way, it's, it's almost kind of, poetic in a way to to see our most glaring issue come up in the biggest moment of our season and that ultimately being what ended our season the thing that kept kicked off our season more or less in week two and then we had luckily that great insurance policy with jimmy and it rode its course until Jimmy turned to glass again because Jimmy always ends up turning to glass. And then we have this un this unprecedented almost Cinderella run with a guy that no one expected to even be on the practice squad. And he looks amazing. He doesn't look like just a drop-in product from Kyle Shanahan. He looks like he's the real deal. And then not only does he get hurt, but Josh Johnson, the guy we signed off the streets, a 14-year veteran with 15 teams, clearly for a reason. I, it's just I don't know. It's I maybe I can laugh at it in a in a year or two. The fact that our season was highlighted by quarterback injury after injury after injury, despite how remarkable our defense was, we still ended as the by yards per game the best defense in the league carrying at, at times carrying the offense but in other times like in, in purdy's peak we carried that defense we looked so complete at times but the main issue that we had not defending deep passes quarterback health being the ultimate thing that ended our season and again not just one quarterback going out two quarterbacks going out and I'm not going to go on a rant about Devontae's catch. That didn't that didn't ruin the game for us. Kyle absolutely should have called timeout, and then they would have had more time in New York to look at it, but that didn't ruin the game. I that's not what I'm griping about. Um I'm not griping about the refs, because pretty much every single one of those penalties. I the refing the punter one, I would debate a little bit but even still I'm not that passionate because he did technically hit the punter every single other one of those penalties 
guys, let's face it, we deserved it. We got so, so sloppy. I'm not, I'm not pro-Eagle in this rant. We just got so sloppy and so undisciplined. And I get the emotions were really, really high. And when the game was really out of reach and everybody was upset, they were clearly taking Devon, not Devontae, Dre Greenlaw literally was Rocky Balboa trying to punch the ball out of that guy's hand when the Wilson was well blown. He deserved that flag. Trent Williams threw year number 42 to the ground. That was so unnecessary. He deserved to get ejected for that. And so many of the ticky tacky, I don't know. I didn't see any egregious penalty on my end. I, I don't. I'm not so again, not the refs, not Devontae Smith. What this game really boiled down to was how quickly the air got taken out when Brock Purdy, what we know now from Tom Pelissero and Adam Schefter, ruptured his UCL. The fact that Josh Johnson was the backup quarterback, like, I'm convinced we didn't sign him to ever get on that field. I think we signed him because he's doing something off the field. Right, because he's been an off-the-field pla- uh, player's coach, whatever whatever you want to call him. He's not. He's definitely not good enough to get on the field, clearly, but he's doing something right off the field. So maybe he was going to teach Purdy some professionalism that, like, Jimmy could have if he was more present. Um, so we had, I, I, to me, we had no plan on having him out there. And, I mean, it, I'll admit, he didn't look bad on that drive that Christian scored on, but... Three delay of game penalties. I, yeah, the stadium was probably loud, but at the same time, you're a 14 year professional, and when you bobbled when you bobbled that snap as bad as you did, to that ended up getting the Eagles up 21 seven. Like it was, it was just over. I it's I know there's games out there where the drop off from starter, I'm using finger quotes for this example, to backup goes down. But I guess it's amplified by the fact that we're on this stage, the NFC Championship, that it was just so deflating and humiliating. The fact that when when Josh Johnson got concussed, what else could Kyle do? Like, we can't have Christian run wildcast the whole game, but Purdy can't throw. I mean, it was it was just sad. It was just sad. All he did was throw one screen pass, and we ran the rest of the game. All you guys really had to do was have 11 healthy people on defense on the field, and you were going to be fine. I'll give credit to two and a half quarters of our defense. I argue we really had a great game plan that would have, I'm imagining it would have carried us to a pretty tight game if we had the offense to complement it. I. I mean, it doesn't matter. Maybe Hertz wasn't trying to pass that hard after halftime, but it sure as hell looked like we were throwing him off his game, at least trying to take some deep passes because he was missing quite a bit. Again, the caveat, how hard was he really trying after Purdy got hurt? But well, just but that's, that's so, what I can in, so I can I, interject there, too. He's also dealing with a sprained shoulder in his throwing arm. True. Like, Very true. Yeah. So. I thought it looked like for two and a half quarters, we actually had a really good defensive plan that was actually going to help us stay in this game. So I guess in summation, I guess what I'm really the most upset about is that we didn't really get 
a game. And pardon, correct my term of phrase if if you feel me, but we just didn't get a game. We didn't get four quarters of Brock Purdy versus Jalen Hurts. And that's what I'm so sad about is that this turned so hard and our offense just was so literally non-existent. We couldn't throw the ball. It wasn't that we were throwing terrible passes the whole game. We literally couldn't throw the ball in the second half. And it just was as as third person away from this as like a spectator as I can be. I can only be so impartial. Like, how could anybody have enjoyed this game? We did. There was no unless you're an Eagle, unless you're an Eagles fan. That's, that's... <laughs> exactly. I obviously for you guys. I'm not trying to take anything away from you guys. It still counts. You're still going to the Super Bowl. I just. I I would take this more in stride if we. I I wish we could have had a real game. I wanted this to. I really think we could have, unless the wheels fell off like in the fourth quarter or something. Anything could have happened, but now we're left with the what if because Purdy got hurt with six minutes left in the first quarter, and we just don't know. And now we're not going to know if he even plays Jalen Hurts uh, next year when we go to Philadelphia again because now his UCL is torn. And it's not Yannick Ngakwe's fault. It happens. These things happen. Every one of these injuries that we've had to the quarterbacks – just happened. Maybe we couldn't have covered Yenny the entire game and Brody and Purdy would have gotten hurt later. My point is it's all what ifs. And that's what I'm sad about is that this whole game to me is now a big what if because Purdy got hurt so early and after halftime or right before halftime, when it became 21-7, there's no way it wasn't in our defense's head that they were going to have to be out there for 20 of the next 30 minutes, probably, if not like 17, 18, whatever it was, whatever it ended up being. And I just, I, I feel bad for the guys because it just, I don't know, we were deprived of having a real, we were deprived of really having a real chance. And especially, obviously when Josh was out, like that was, that was the final nail in the coffin technically, but just, it was, I don't know. If we lost, I want if we still would have lost with Brock Purdy, I still wish we could have had Brock Purdy uh, the real game. If if you get what I'm trying to say. I wish we yeah. actually had the real game. And that's what disappoints me the most. I'm really disappointed that these guys that have balled out all year on defense and Christian playing his heart out and Kittle and um I don't know. Brock Purdy has nothing to be ashamed of this year. No, yes, be disappointed that your UCL is torn and God, I, I don't even know. We we will have to see. Adam Schefter said it's going to be six months recovery when he gets the surgery. Everything I read said it was nine months, so I think six is optimistic. But I mean, we'll we'll see. I know I know how bad Tommy John surgery is for baseball players. This does not happen often with football players, um, except what Big Ben two years ago. Big Ben had a UCL sprain. He didn't actually tear it. Wasn't isn't that what happened? I don't remember. Um, but. But no, I don't want to spend the rest of the podcast. Like we can save down the line since we're in the off season. Like the the big what ifs. Like what are the big what ifs that we have? Um, the free agency, uh, the free agency scenario. I'm I, I'm not trying to necessarily like really overthink that right now, because there's going to be plenty of time for that. But 
it's as disappointing and as just heartbreaking as the way the season ended was. I do say half joking, half serious. It is kind of just, I'll laugh about it later that of course a quarterback injury is going to be what ended our season the same way that it could have derailed our season like three other times. And the magic just wore out with Josh Johnson. I, I was skeptic when we signed him at first and proven right. He's not a, NFL quarterback I mean it's whatever he's doing off the field to still get signed by people word keep doing your thing that way keep being that kind of player coach but but no I'm just that's what I'm just most sad about is that it didn't feel like we actually like got a game and I feel like I don't know maybe I'm maybe there's spectators that like my dad a Bears fan would agree with me there I we're only so well yeah but but no I in all but in all honesty like you guys were controlling the line you guys um, didn't. You guys didn't let off the gas, even though you kind of didn't really need to. You guys still fought like we were in this. You didn't just because we were down a quarterback. You didn't let up on defense. You guys were dominating the line of scrimmage, really, on both sides. We only got to, I think, what Bosa did get one sack, but that was like our one sack of the game. Yeah, you guys had one sack. I um, believe we had four. But dude, like this, the whole. Even Bosa, standing as a bystander on the sidelines, had a man thrown into his leg and cleat him in the calf. Like, what else could go wrong in this game for us? It was so bad. I just, we had no luck on our, Lady Luck literally left us a voicemail that she was dumping us and she was going to come <laughs> back. And she was going to come back and get her cat next week. Like, that was as disastrous an end as it could have been. And like, I think that's why I'm not quite as emotional about it as it was last year. Um, Cause last year it was by three points. It came down to an Aaron Donald sack. Jimmy was playing his heart out with a broken thumb and we lost 23 to 20 and it was a real game and we were never really out of it versus here. I don't know. Some people will say we were out of it six minutes left in the first quarter. I didn't think we were out of it until 21 seven, right before halftime when Josh fumbled that perfectly thrown snap. I just, I don't know. I it's it sucks right now and I'm still grieving, but um but no, I'm gonna I am gonna cheer for the Eagles. I'll get over this faster than I did last year's game. It just I don't know, it's still fresh now, it still sucks. Um but I am happy though. I'll just I don't know, I don't even want to read the nerd numbers anymore. I will read though that despite forty four carries, you only got hundred and forty eight yards for three point four yards a carry. So I'll at least have a little bit of pride in that, that at least the run defense held up okay, minus the fact we gave up four rushing touchdowns. Um. <laughs> yeah, you gave up four rushing touchdowns and twice as many rush, rushing yards as you normally do. And so... It took 44 carries to get to there, though. Like, I mean, yeah. you didn't... I mean, yeah. It's I not know. like... I, it's, I won't say it's like we ran all over you, but, I mean, you look at the game... You know, there were that's all you that's all you had to do. It didn't matter that Jalen Hurts was having trouble throwing. It didn't matter. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Well, especially, you know, we when we uh, we took the lead 14 to seven, there was less than two minutes to go until halftime. And then, like you said, Josh Johnson muffs uh, a perfectly good shotgun snap and Hassan Reddick just being the guy he is, just being on the ball, getting to the ball, and, uh, you know, getting to there. And, you know, 
I mean, was was I saying the wrong name? Was it was it uh, Ngakwe making the sacks or was it Reddick? Did I get the names mixed up? Yeah, Ngakwe. I don't know who that is because we don't have Ngakwe. It, yeah, it was Hassan Reddick. I thought maybe that was the name of the tight end that they used to block Hassan Reddick with because it was a backup tight end. No, that was uh, that was Tyler Croft. Yeah. So I, don't, I, I know. Apology, apologies for that. Yeah, Reddick really balled out today, or balled out yesterday, man. He, we couldn't, we couldn't stop him for anything. Yeah, and so when when Philly fans are upset that he wasn't he wasn't one of the finalists for Defensive Player of the Year, like you know that's uh, that that's why because he really came on the second half of the season, and. I don't know what Kyle was thinking with blocking blocking him with a, a backup tight end. He's our best pass rusher. It's been the, the second best pass rusher in the league all season. You know, it's, you know, Micah Parsons dropped off in October. Look at Hassan Reddick's numbers from October and look at Micah Parsons' number from October and tell me that Hassan Reddick shouldn't be a finalist for Defensive Player of the Year. And, oh, no, he, he absolutely should have. And Yannick Ngakwe is currently a defensive end for the Colts. I was calling out a Colts player instead of the proper <laughs> drink, instead of the proper instead of the proper Hassan Reddick. <laughs> Dan, Dan says the wrong player's name. Drink. <laughs> but I mean, the 49ers, you know, they they definitely should feel proud of where they got. Um, you know, as far as they did, as many games as they won having to create three different offenses and get as far as they did. Um, you know, yeah, it's, it's, it's a season that, you know, no other team has ever had. Nobody has ever had Mr. Irrelevant starting a, an NFC championship game. That's never happened before. No one's Let had a Mr. Irrelevant win 12 games in a row, including two playoff games. Yeah. Well, it wasn't all 12. Jimmy won some of those. No, from the um, was it wasn't it twelve from Tampa onward? Hold on, I'm gonna pull up the schedule. Yeah, but Jimmy Jimmy won some of those games. He oh yeah yeah I, I you're right he yeah he won the Rams Chargers Cardinals Saints so he won four of them yeah okay my apologies I was confused and we'll we'll give him five because that first that that win before it he came in like after the first drive right. The bookkeepers give Jimmy the Dolphins one, even though I think Purdy should get it because Purdy came in literally after the first drive. But yes, technically bookkeepers give Jimmy that win. Yeah, but that's what I'm saying. Like, we'll give Brock Purdy that win because, you know, so that's five, right? That's yeah. Five. So Plus two one, playoffs. That was seven straight wins with Mr. Irrelevant at quarterback. Never been done before. You could easily say that, the career that he's had as Mr. Irrelevant, pretty much just as good as Ryan Suckup, who is the next greatest Mr. Irrelevant that there is, you know, and he's a kicker, you know, out, you know. So when he I, reaches the longevity that Suckup has, I think we'll, <laughs> I don't know. I, it's weird doing apples and oranges with a kicker versus a quarterback, but I, I don't know. I, <laughs> it seems too easy. I want, let's see some longevity and I think more people will, finally agree that greatest yes it's only one season so the the longevity i think i don't know he's got a great case already though yeah i mean you know considering mr irrelevant never threw a pass in the nfl until this year until brock party yeah so you know and 
you know, you don't hit on that draft pick a lot at all. And the fact that John Lynch was able to hit on that draft pick says a lot about him and the organization. Um, You know, so 49ers fans, you really shouldn't be too disappointed with this season because it's, it's been a great season, you know, and you just, you're, I, I feel like he just got out coached. Kyle Shanahan got out coached. Like that's, you know, he, he puts a backup tight end on Hassan Reddick and that's what, that's what changed the game for y'all. He, um, he doesn't think he had a, he had a lot of faith in Tyler Crofts. He really did. Yeah, and the thing about it is too, like you look you go back to that Devontae Smith play. Like the Eagles were coached in that situation that if you don't think if you think that it could be overturned, you know, give a signal to everybody and get everybody to the line really fast so that we can get a playoff so that it doesn't get reviewed. And Kyle didn't think or didn't see that or was aware enough to think, hey, maybe I should show a challenge flag or at least a timeout so that we can look at this and, you know, see if we really want to challenge it. You know, and I, I just he he just in principle should have called timeout on a fourth down conversion that in that was in the red zone when where he caught it. Right. It was like at the 15 or the 10. Yeah, yeah it was in the red. That zone. should have regardless of the debate of him catching it or not which he didn't, but regardless of deliberating the catch, the fact that they converted a fourth down pass that re- that was in the red zone that deep, that should have immediately been like, okay, we need a second to to recalibrate and figure something out. Like, we should not have blown that pass. Yeah. Yeah, and, you know, so, I mean, we saw the shortcomings of, you know, he, like I said, he's he was being able to get through with, you know, Brock Purdy to this point and every scheme up in offense, he de- he deserves credit. But at the same time, you know, you just you, those those were some of the mistakes that he ma- he made yesterday, and you know, he I I feel like this came to down to he got out coached by, uh, you know, just those things. He got out coached, and then you know because he got out coached and it just caught and ended up unraveling and, and basically it ended up costing you guys the game. You know, I see what you mean. Like, I don't know. Like, it's like, I agree and I disagree up to that point. No, I mean, it could have, that could have easily have been a bad omen for potentially the rest of the game. I just, I don't know. I even feel bad. Now that I'm thinking about it, I feel even bad. Because, like, I don't know. Part of me is just, like, how can you coach when you literally don't have a quarterback? But at the same time, I mean, you're right. Like, the fact that he that he blew going out of his way to use the timeout, which he could have gotten back if, in the middle of the timeout, he threw the challenge flag. Uh, I learned that while I was... Uh, Rich Eisen, I love this guy. I learned that while I was watching his take on the game before we uh, got on here. He could have gotten that timeout back if he called a challenge while in the middle of the timeout. Like, I don't know. I Maybe he got caught up in how bang-bang it was because you guys went to the line so fast. But at the same time, how did somebody not see Devon... How did somebody not see him go like that, that fist gesture 
instead of like look at me look at how awesome i am like because that was a big catch yeah like that was that should have been the first indicator that he wasn't celebrating a fourth down conversion like <laughs> yeah on, on a one-handed grab with what it appeared to be looked like at the time like and and he's our height he's under six foot or what he's six foot even like he's a short receiver yeah he's a small receiver like so like i mean it looked like an amazing catch at first and i'm going to tell you why there were two reasons why he got the benefit of the doubt one the ref was on the other side so when his body turned, he couldn't see him the ball moving. And two, let me tell you, it's Devontae Smith. And Devontae Smith makes catches like those on a regular basis. Like, he's just good at making these tight catches on the sideline. And last year, when he was doing it, they were calling them incomplete. And then we would have to challenge and we find out, yes, Devontae did actually make that catch. And so I think he, one, the ref was the ref couldn't see it. And two, he just got the benefit of the doubt pretty much from everybody um, because he's such a good player that he actually caught the ball. But, you know. And no one, no one paid attention to Hufunga. Hufunga was doing a gesture that he didn't catch it, but... I mean, in the end, it didn't matter. Who's going to watch the safety? Like, I don't, I don't blame people for ignoring him. Like, he wasn't making a whole hoobla over it, but he was. It didn't matter in the end. Hufunga apparently was the only person that saw that it was incomplete. Like, I just, I don't know. I don't want to go on a whole tangent about it. I want to. They went to the line so fast. I just, I don't know. It's amazing to me that New York didn't stop anything. Kyle didn't stop anything. Kyle would have stopped it. Well, New York can't. I don't think New York can stop it. I don't think the rules allow them to do that in that situation. Like uh, New York, uh, New York. You don't think New York could have? You don't think New York could have told the refs, "Hey, we saw a replay. You need to review this pass." Not according to the rules. Not according to the rules. I don't think. Oh, the rules. rules I I thought New York could stop any play. Uh I think it's. I I think it's it. I don't think it's any play. Like, I think it has to be in a certain amount of, of rules. You know, I, I don't think they can stop any play. Well, they can um, obviously concussions. New York can tell New York can stop. A, New York can tell somebody, hey, this guy that just got up, he got hit in a way we don't like. New York can do that. But I don't know. That's actually interesting. I, I thought they could stop every play. I mean, I, I'll gladly accept if I'm wrong. Well, I mean... You know, I I don't think, from my understanding, in that situation, it's not up to New York. Okay. It's up to it's up to, you know, Kyle and the 49ers to have a good replay system to say, hey, that was good or not, or you know, take the tell that Devontae Smith is telling everybody to hurry the fuck up. Sorry, earmuffs. Hurry, you know, <laughs> hurry the hell up because you know. He knew he didn't catch it. <laughs> he knew he didn't catch it, you know, and, you know, that's Devontae Smith was coached to do that. Kyle Shanahan was, you know, yeah, he just saw like there was I think that point in the game was probably you're probably right. That was a bad omen that things probably weren't going to go for you at the end of the day. But also, like I said, you but know, again, it's that it's that what if, though? So, like, I agree with you, but a part of me doesn't want to agree with you. And it's all because we didn't get the game. <laughs> we didn't get the whole game. 
We yeah. Lost. We literally were playing with 10 people, basically, because of how bad Josh was. And then Purdy literally couldn't throw. Did you did you hear him describe what his arm was like after the game? He couldn't feel anything below his elbow. He, it was it was difficult for him to toss those little those little dump passes on the sideline. And a camera caught him in the game. I, I saw this. You could clearly see him say, I can't throw this. He, he, he was done. To use a bird analogy, you guys broke his wing. <laughs> like, and you, a torn rotator cuff would have been better news than what he got. You really broke his arm. Well, yeah, and but you know why? Like, why leave Hassan Reddick to be blocked by a backup tight end? Like, I don't like, know. Like, you know, you just you just we, can't. We took just for granted that we took for granted that Purdy could run, I guess, because he can. I don't. I, I mean, I could see Kittle because Kittle's a good blocking tight end, but Kittle was also – that's one of Purdy's main targets. So you can't leave him back there to, to block. So you got to – I mean, but – And Slay was going to be on Brandon Ayuk all game if you – if you I, can, I can't remember offhand, but surely Slay was shadowing uh, Brandon Ayuk all game. So there went his second best receiver. Like, yeah, I don't <laughs> – Yeah, I just – that, you know – I look at it as you can't you can't really legislate injuries, but like just you know just saying just to think like all right we got a guy yeah he wasn't on the list for defensive player of the year but he could have been and look at you know just look at the game record he's been all season like you can't tell me it didn't show up on tape like whatever tape they studied it didn't see. You know, and just the to thought. Be, to be fair, it could have gotten lost in the fact that four guys had ten sacks, and as a team, you what had seventy-seven. Well, now we have. Now we're up to seventy-seven, I think, with the playoffs. Yeah. Ab- absolute, absolute madness. I, I don't know. I guess I just something mentally didn't let me accept that, like how stupid good that is. When the second place team, I saw a graphic today actually, that was that said you had seventy seven, and the next team I swear had like fifty four or fifty five. I was like, earmuffs, god damn! Like, well, well just <laughs> that is insane. To think how this really is insane, the measurement for all defenses has always been since nineteen eighty five, the eighty five Bears, and that's who we're chasing right now. That's who the Eagles are chasing. We're chasing the 85 Bears. Like, we haven't seen a pass rush like this since 1985. And that's that's like, the I, thing. I thought we I thought we had a decent pass rush, even though I've said before we don't finish the sack, but we make the pressure. You guys finish the sack. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And you know that's, that's absolute madness. And I saw it on full display. That that line is insane. It is. It's it's probably you know, I've seen <clears throat> I've seen a Reggie White, Jerome Brown, Clyde Simmons, you know, Michael Pitts defensive line that was just insane. And in all our minds, they were the greatest Eagles defense of all time. Like just that, you know, just that defense from with the Buddy Ryan defense and then Bud Carson making it into something like to us that was the best defense we ever saw but right now like 
I mean, if this team, like the Eagles win on in two weeks, I mean, are we, and they get, you know, another five sacks, are we really going to hold them back and say they're not the greatest Eagles defense ever just because the other defense had Reggie White and Jerome Brown and, you know, all these good players? Like, I, w- I won't say you have to hold Patrick Mahomes to seven points like you did to us and the Giants, but if you hold Patrick Mahomes under, let's say, 20 points or 21 points, let's make it three touchdowns. If you hold that Kansas City offense to under three touchdowns, I, d- I don't know. I You're more versed than I am, but like I think if you hold Patrick Mahomes in that offense under 21 points, they definitely have a case to be top three if not the best defense you guys have had well yeah the thing about it is though i'm a little wary about going that far because it is patrick mahomes in this defense against that's why i'm saying 21 instead of seven (laughs) (laughs) this defense against good quarterbacks has been you know been prone but you know we'll see like i think i think we'll definitely be able to get pressure on him and you know he He's injured. He's got a high ankle sprain. So maybe we knock him out of the game too. So God, I, God only hopes. I, <laughs> I, I'm, I'm spacing on the. I don't know. I said so much in my thoughts and my in my rant. I mean, uh, I mean, what else can I really say? Like you guys, you guys took you guys took over. It's not like we made it that hard for you. I wanted, I will, I will say our our defense did look pretty good until like not that far into the third quarter when clearly the emotions were getting there. Um, we almost didn't have. I almost, we almost glossed over. We we had a scare there where we thought Fred Warner was going to be gone after the first freaking play. Yeah, and so that was ter- that that gave me a heart attack. And so, listen, <laughs> 49ers fans, listen, I'm going to give you a helpful hint the next time you play Philadelphia, especially in a big game. Really, fans, if you don't want to ruin your mojo, don't dress up Rocky. It's a bad idea. It really is a bad idea. No team in the playoffs has ever beaten Philadelphia when they dressed up Rocky. The last team to try to do it was the Minnesota Vikings, and they lost 38-7 to in the NFC Championship game. That is a so, fruitless request. People, that will never not happen, sadly. I'm just, I'm just, <laughs> I'm just you know, for the 10 listeners that listen to us and our 49ers fans, just – you might as well tell everybody else, you know, don't dress up Rocky. It's bad mojo for you guys. And, I, you know, I, and I heard a lot of, like, 49er takeover of Philadelphia. That just, that shit, earmuffs, that shit doesn't happen. No. Like, nobody takes over our stadium. Nobody. No, there are, there are a handful of stadiums that own themselves. Both of the Pennsylvania stadiums do. You don't go to... You don't go to Philly and you don't go to Pittsburgh if you're the opponent. You don't go – well, now you do since they're not in Oakland. When they were in Oakland, you don't go as the opponent in Oakland. In Vegas, clearly you can do it now. Um, Kansas City, don't um, – God, I'm, I can't even – is there any other we – went, we went for Green Bay, and Green Bay surprisingly had some red in there when we went last year, but – I don't know. I would have thought beforehand you don't go to Green Bay unless you're a Green Bay fan. I <laughs> I think I think going to Green Bay is okay. Just don't talk too much trash. You know, that's pretty much what that is. <laughs> and that, that, that honestly, you know, that is for anybody. But 
you know, just the divisional round game that we got for for that game. I mean, we paid we paid like I think I paid like two hundred dollars a ticket for those tickets to get into the Eagles game. Oh God! Standing room only. Standing room only. By the time it hit second market, was fourteen hundred dollars. Yeah, I I saw how bad the tickets were for uh, Dallas and San Francisco and Santa Clara. They they were comparable to how bad those prices were. Bad bad's a relative word. How high those tickets were too. I th- I think you I think Philly ended up passing it, but the bar was set already pretty pretty damn high with Santa Clara. <laughs> yeah, but I mean, have, you know, not only do you have to like fly across country, get a hotel, pay for food, pay for all that, but then you got to buy a 1400 ticket to get into the game and that's standing room only, like you don't even there, get a seat. There had to have been less than 500 Niner fans there. I I I would love to see the numbers if there was even close to 1000 Niner fans there. There was so much green. I I did I did see a video. There was a guy standing in the stands with a Nick Bosa jersey and this kid with a Devontae Smith jersey like the kid maybe been like 10 years old he walks up to the he walks up to the Nick Bosa fan pretends like he's gonna go give him a high five and when the guy goes to the, give him a high five he gives him the double bird <laughs> <laughs> Philly fan, I love I I love the I love the spunk Philly fans have I love it like just the just the get out of my way. I'm number one attitude is just so funny. Yeah. It's like, it's I don't know. The did you I mean, thinking of thinking of Bosa? Did you see, uh, Joey Bosa was at the game, and he went at it with uh, some fans outside of the stadium as he was about to go in. Oh no, I didn't see that. No. Oh my god, the, <laughs> the Philly fan was ruthless. He was. I, I don't remember it verbatim, but it was just like, it was just like, hey, Bosa, how's it feel about being the Bosa playing today? <laughs> <laughs> and it was, and it just went from there and Joey just leaned right into it. And it was so, oh my God, it was ruthless. It was so funny. Well, somebody, you know, Brock Purdy, Brock Purdy like came out uh, with a quote saying that, uh, you know, that he trusted in God, that, you know, God was his, you know, source or whatever. I forget what the exact quote was. And a Philly fan tweeted, ain't no God at the lake, you're going down. You know? <laughs> ruthless. You guys are just ruthless fans. I love it. Oh, my gosh. Yeah. Like, I'm, I'm glad if I go to a Colts game here, I know it's going to be tame just for myself. Like, I like that. I know Indianapolis is not that intensive atmosphere. Like, um, they'll get loud on, like, big plays and stuff, but, like, that doesn't happen in Indianapolis. <laughs> <laughs> we're we're just different. We're we're just different. We have a way with words. God, yeah, you are. <laughs> we have a way with words, and you know you can come. Well, like I mean, it's not like you can't come and you're gonna get beat up. Like that, those days are over. Like just have some thick skin. Just have some thick skin. Like like don't come in there and start taunting us or you know cheering in our faces or trying to get all nasty with us but yeah because then you're gonna get you're gonna get the crap kicked out of you you do that just come you can cheer for your team whatever just don't get just have tough skin that's all you need like we'll we're gonna give you we're gonna give you jabs but 
our intentions are not to have a fight with you. You know, it's not. It's just the, you know, it's just to jab you as much as we can until you're just like, okay, I quit. I'm going home. You know, right. <laughs> like, like that's that's just it. You know, I. Uh, I honest I honestly wouldn't mind seeing a game in Philadelphia. I mean, I'm not opposed to going to any stadium, but like I don't know. There's just something about the way you've told me about Philly and things I've heard about Philly. Just like I I feel like that would be a wonderful experience just to like not necessarily a Niners game, but like just I mean, obviously I would love to go to a Niners game there, like we have one this year, but <laughs> But just to, to I want to that'd be so much fun to experience firsthand, like there in the link. And um, I don't know, just because of how unique it is. Well, I tell you what, I tell you what, because in a couple of years, when I finish my degree and I get my license uh, to be a mental health counselor, we're planning on moving back up to Pennsylvania. So once we have like a house and all of that and that prepared you know, you, Joan, are more than welcome to come to our house and we'll go to we'll go to an Eagles game and you know, I'll I'll you know, I'll you know um we'll we'll go and you can see what it's like and you will see like we are like no other fan base out there. So Oh, I have I have no doubts. I'm <laughs> I uh sorry, I just had to check something. Um no, I just that would be awesome. And honestly, really just, I don't know. Cause I, I, I don't know. I feel like I'm at a loss of just like, I don't, I don't have anything else to say about this game. It was, it, it was, it was a, it was, it was a very sad, it was a very sad way for this season to end. Yeah. But I, would, I don't, I, I don't know. I'm just kind of, for you, for you I, guys, I feel like I'm spinning my wheels now. I mean, honestly, like you being my friend and seeing the way this game went down, I did, you know, like I, I did, you know, I felt sorry for you because you know you could you, take yourself out of it just enough to see, like as as, as a person, as a because uh, I the thing about it is I've been there. You know, I I have been there. Like I've watched NFC Championship games where I've been so hyped for the game, thinking like, okay, we got a real shot to win this game, and then my team just circumstances happen, whatever, and then the team just ends up unraveling and. You know, I've seen that game. I've been through that game. And it's hard going through that game and seeing that. Like, so I get it. You know, I do empathize with you. Like, every loss I had up to, every loss that I had up to this point in terms of my, my six NFC championship games that I consider my games, every one of them, Giants was in overtime. Uh, Seahawks came down to that Richard Sherman tip. Uh, the Rams came down to the Aaron Donald sack. I don't, it's not the Jawaski Tart interception. I hate that argument. It came down to that Aaron Donald sack. Uh, yeah, this is my first, this is my first NFC championship game where I just got my teeth kicked in. I, <laughs> yeah. And I know what that's like. I know what that's like. Like I, I felt that pain and it's really hard. It's really hard, especially, especially, for someone like you, because you've never, you've actually never seen the 49ers at the top of the mountain. It's, it's just, since you started rooting for the team, it's just, you've gone through six heartaches, you know, and some of them are really close. And this is a really bad one because, you know, you had the wind knocked out of your sails six minutes into the first quarter. And, you know, it was pretty much over at that point. And like, unfortunately, you know, 
you know, for me, you know, as an Eagles fan, like it, it's it's a great experience for me. But for you, and like you said, even the casual, you know, even like you know, sports fans in general, this wasn't really a good game to watch. You know, it really wasn't. You know, unless you're an Eagles fan, there's there was no reason to really enjoy this game. You know. Yeah, you know, not so. not at all. And it, I don't know. I just just again, I just. I can at least look back at those other three losses and like we were in them. They came down to one they came down to one play, one mistake. And I don't know. I wish we could have shared and just had that like we could have had more of that like, oh well if I did this or oh well if you did that, didn't do that. But no, like we lost our quarter we lost our quarterback seven minutes into the game and it was over. Like and you guys just to, and all, you didn't even have it's annihilation by the box score but like you guys didn't even really need to try because <laughs> we couldn't stay on the field for more than seven plays i think that was how long that one drive was um when we decided we could only run it um i think we had a drive that went like seven plays but after that it was just three and out three and out three and out like it just yeah <laughs> it was just it was it was sad and i i don't know in a weird way i guess i'll get over this a little faster just um obviously i'm gonna mourn the season just because we had such a great year and i'll and no i'll cherish how remarkable it was that we got here when kind of like last year but in a much different way we shouldn't have even been here but um but no it just it's football it's what it is i it's not like i haven't been here before but in kyle and john's hands there's no reason to think we won't get here again like, it, there's always the chance that we'll get here again with them running the team. We'll figure out the roster. Kyle's a great coach. John is a great GM. There's no reason for me to think that uh, this was the end-all be-all and we're going to go into a tank. We're Niner gang, we're going to be okay. I, we're at, at the end of the day, this sucks, but honestly, we're going to be okay. This is our third NFC championship in four years. I think there's a good chance that we're going to be okay. And, you know, I think, too, like if we're ranking coaches that have never won a Super Bowl, Kyle's in the top 10. But you look at the coaches that are really great that have never won a Super Bowl, but have gotten to <clears throat> as many, as many games, as many championship games. And, you know, that Kyle has now it's what three and it was three in four years or, you it's know, Three in the last four years, three in his six years total. Basically, we miss the playoffs or we get to the NFC Championship. Yeah, I mean, but still, to be to be in there three out of four years, one of those times you went to the Super Bowl, like this, I would say this puts Shanahan in the conversation. He's one of the top ten coaches to never win a Super Bowl, and you know, Andy Reid was in that conversation. For a long time, for a long time, you know, and so I would just say eventually Kyle's going to get better. He's not going to he's going to learn from this and he's going to get better in his ways. And, you know, I mean, he's not as aggressive, maybe never has been. But at the same time, Andy Reid got over the hump. and I think Kyle can, too. And, you know. You look at like some of the other great coaches, like 
Um, Tom Coughlin. Tom Coughlin was a very similar way. He would get to the playoffs, and you know he would he wouldn't get to uh, the Super Bowl. Um, and so what he did, he he ended up reinventing himself. You look at the first year the Giants won the Super Bowl under his range. He he was on a after four years of a five-year contract, they were ready to fire him. He convinced them that he could change and that he would go about it differently and to actually honor the fifth year of his contract and say, listen, I can do this thing. Let me try it this way. I promise I'll go about to being a better person this way. And the next year they won the Super Bowl. So, you know, maybe Kyle, this is a time for Kyle to inwardly look at himself and how he does things, and maybe, maybe this may put the 49ers in a better place. I will see. I mean, the formula that he's had, I mean, at least gets us this far. We know it gets it this far. So, I, I don't know. It's. I'd love to be in this postseason, um, uh, whatever they call it, the the end of season uh, exit interview. I'd love to be there with Kyle for that, uh, talking to Jed and John, and um, to see how he reflected on this year. And I mean, we'll just, I mean, we'll just have to see in time. It's not that. I don't know. I think I think he's shown consistently that he that he is incredibly smart. He can be adaptive. Uh, yeah, I just, I, I don't know. I'm not versed enough to, I'm not knowledgeable enough to be able to, like, I'm not going to presume I know what the, the final thing will be to get him over the hump, but um, I don't know. We could spend an hour on that, too, maybe. But, um, <laughs> I, I think we could. I think we could spend what could make, what would make Kyle a better coach. Um, I, honestly, there's, I don't know. I don't, I don't know. It's, it's, I, there's, he's already so good. It's just that it's just getting over that hump. And I, I don't know. That's part of what's fun about this, though, is that, like, we do have a lot to celebrate, and but we also have an equal amount to learn from. It's like that video Steve sent us, like, don't get complacent with success. There's always something to learn, even in the win, even though we well, lost this game. But I mean, there has to be a sense, like, what's, what's popular and what has gotten people over the hump. You know, like Andy Reid, uh, like Tom Coughlin, is a sense of family with the organization, with the guy next to you. And that Nick Sirianni preaches, you're not going to go anywhere if you don't love the guy next to you. And that type of culture, the love the guy next to you culture, is what gets people generally over the hump and what gets them into that. Like, that was one of the things Tom Coughlin did. Like, Tom Coughlin was, like, a very disciplinary coach. And, you know, you don't do it the right way. I'm going to yell at you, whatever. But he realized, like, you know, I got to, you know, I love these guys. And I got to tell them that I love them more. And that they need to love each other in order to get to where we need to go. And that's where you actually changed and evolved. And I think, I think if Kyle creates the culture of, you know, hey, we're really not going to get over the hump until you guys start to love each other, you know, and... You I, know. I'd, I'd argue that's there. I've, I've, I've seen enough player interviews, the way they talk about 
the way they talk about each other. I, I, I wholeheartedly believe that's there. I, he is a very, he is a very strict coach. I don't know if he's like Belichick level strict, but he's not uh, Mike McDaniel's. He's not Mike McDaniel's. He's, he's, I, I do believe he's somewhere in between there. And I think he's cultivated enough staff around him that add a level of nurture to it. Like, um, I can't believe that Brian or, uh, I can't believe that, um, D'Amico isn't a very empathetic, caring coach. I can't believe that, uh, Gracie is not empathetic. I've, I mean, yes, I've seen Kyle get furious on the sidelines and I'm sure he's very strict in, I'm sure he's very strict more times than not, but I also believe that Kyle is very down to earth. He knows when to rein that back in when like cameras aren't on there. He's one-on-one with the players and just like, Hey, I'm a coach and I'm hard on you to, because I, I know you can do this. And I think he, I, I, I'm obviously speculating, but I, I get the vibe that he does have that in the locker room. And I mean, I, I believe that's there and. I mean, that that certainly is a factor. I mean, I, I, it seems like a lot of coaches are adapting that, like Mike McDaniels. Mike McDaniels looks like a big freaking goofball. Like, <laughs> yeah. like I mean, like, that's the thing. Like, people people outside of Philadelphia hate Nick Sirianni because of the way he just is who he is, and he, he sort of wears his emotions on his sleeve, and it's just like, yeah, let's just all be a hippie group of people and love each other, right? That's just that's how we're going to win. We're going to love each other. You know, and he goes he goes to bat for his guys. He advocates for his guys, and he just he just loves the sh- earmuffs. He loves the shit out of them. And you know, kind kind of like Pete Carroll. Pete Carroll, I don't know that 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 makes me think a lot about Pete Carroll too, because I've seen him so much. Like Pete Carroll definitely comes off that vibe of just like it's he'll get on you if he has to, but generally it's. We're playing football professionally. We're getting paid for it. Why don't we have some fun with this? Like, yeah, and that's, you know, you look at, you, you know, you look at the new the new NFL and where it's going. Like the Belichickian way is, you can see it's falling apart now. You know, it's really falling apart, and guys are winning when they're like, "Hey, love you," you know, and you know that. It goes. It really is like the culture that needs to be cultivated nowadays because it's what really motivates and really gets what the most out of a team. And you know, I mean, you look at Mike McDaniel's this year. You look at you know what what he did with the with the Miami Dolphins, and you know he had them, you know, for at least a good part of the season competing with the likes of the Buffalo Bills. You know in that division like there was a time where Miami was tied at top of the division with the Buffalo Bills who this year was supposed to be a coronation of the Bills right like you look I remember looking at the odds last year and thinking well Vegas is saying it's going to be a coronation of the Bills Josh Allen was the the favorite to win MVP the Bills were the favorite to win the Super Bowl like it was going to be a coronation of the Bills, and he, Josh McDaniels, you know, had, you know, a quarterback that a lot of people still didn't believe in yet, had them competing with, you know, the Bills, you know, in that division. So, 
And he creates that culture. Like you said, he creates a culture where it's fun. Guys, they love each other and you're not going to go anywhere unless you love each other. And that's, that's what's winning in this league now. And disciplinarianism, it, it's not, it's not resonating anymore. And the less and less coaches do it. And the more guys that preach love are going through it. Yeah. I mean, that's... look at look at Dan Campbell, too, and look at um, Dan Campbell wears his heart on his sleeve. He cries every press conference. Like, <laughs> no, I, I this guys will go through a brick wall for him. Right. Yeah. People love it. He's genuine. Like, yeah, he's just he came from football culture like that. Like, look at him. Of course, he played in the NFL for 10 years. He's built like he was. But yeah. but. He's so vulnerable at the same time. He literally is a walking teddy bear. Like, yeah, and <laughs> he'll he'll yell at you. I watched Hard Knocks. He'll yell at you, but like, at the end of the at the end of just a practice, he cried telling them how much he loves these guys. Like, yeah, I, and that's the thing. Like, you could have the scheme guy all you want. You could have the scheme guy that schemes people open, whatever. You really need a leader of men. You need a leader of men to get. 53 guys on the same page that will run through a brick wall for every single one of those players. That's what you need. And that's, that's the culture that you need to cultivate. Kyle is a great schemer. You ask him to scheme a million different run plays. We saw it yesterday. Like we saw, like they were going with Oh, every oh God, yeah, we did. One. We saw every, every single, single run in the playbook. <laughs> every single run in the playbook was used yesterday. And basically, scheme can only get you so far. You need to be a leader of men. And if Kyle is really going to break through and really get his team over the hump, I, me personally, from what I've just followed from the team this year, and even seeing the press conference, you know, at the end of the game – like like i just think he needs to he needs to just morph himself a little bit more and just you know get with the new nfl you know to the love you culture and you know and that's i mean we've seen I, that i agree i agree i i'll agree that something he needs to rethink the playbook for protection's sake um i don't i think the love culture is there person i mean personally i think the love culture is there but um sorry i had to look at that um i'll i i do think the love culture is there but i'll agree that he i don't know i think figuring out plays to keep his quarterbacks um better protected figuring out more quick passes and less play action might might be necessary not being so play action heavy might be necessary um i i don't i there's i mean we could again that that's just my thought off the top of my head um because i i don't know i could send you so many videos where i that convinced me that like that that love culture is definitely there but i mean that's neither here nor there basically um don't be urban meyer i think is what we're trying to say (laughs) yeah (laughs) Don't, don't be urban, urban meyer don't be urban meyer and i think with that because we're getting a little short for time and i got a lot of long shots so yes uh, I'm gonna we go. need to we need to see super bowl week 
long shots. That was guys, guys, like Super Bowl odds are out. So first of all, first touchdown score, pick who you want. They're all plus seven hundred or higher. Like there's no favorite. There's no really favorite to score a touchdown. Absolutely. So we got Jalen Hurts at plus seven hundred. Miles Sanders at plus 700, Travis Kelsey at plus 700. Uh, spread your bets out. I would say over all three of them. Plus, you can get AJ Brown for plus 800, Isaiah Pacheco for plus 900, and Dallas Goddard for plus 1100, uh, Devontae Smith for plus 1200. I mean, these odds are insane. You can even get the Philly defense for plus 2,500 to be the first touchdown score, if you if you think about that. Jesus Christ. Yeah, what, touch, first what touchdown did it, score. What did it open at? Like, um, who who's the favorite right now? I didn't, I didn't see who was favorite yet. So originally, the Chiefs were the favorites. Like, as soon as the game, the Chiefs game was over, the Chiefs opened up at as the favorites, but now it's gone to a two and a half point favorite for the Eagles. So all the betting action is going on the Eagles right now. So, so basically the same spread our game was. Yeah. Yeah. And so like, like it's just, it's crazy. Like I, I thought I looked at them right away. I didn't people actually, as soon as the Kansas city game was over, Vegas had them, had Kansas City at a two and a half favorite. Now it's gone the other way where Philly's the two and a half favorite. So um, people Excellent. are betting on the Eagles. Uh, and like I said, first touchdown score, take your pick, spread your bets out on who you think is going to win. Are going to get that because they're all plus 700 or better. Even the favorites are plus 700 are better. So, I mean, last year, I think we had a couple that were under, under 500 and I told you to go, um uh, go with a couple and i believe one of mine hit last year so um if you really like if you want a longer shot and you don't want the jalen hurts miles sanders travis kelsey which it seems like one of those three is going to score the first touchdown i think honestly you could go aj brown dallas goddard and Devontae smith um at plus 800 plus 1100 and plus 1200 respectively um as well for first touchdown score. Uh, and then just some of the crazy bets that you can bet on the Super Bowl. Like I already threw five down. I, I threw $5 down on Hassan Reddick being the MVP at plus 5,000. Remember I told you a couple of weeks ago, he was at plus 20,000. Well, now he's at plus 5,000. We just saw how he could wreck a game. And if there's no, valuable player on offense if Jalen Hurts throws for you know mediocre yards and you know there's no receiver there's no running back that runs a yard we can still see that they can win a game and quite dominantly win a game well maybe the maybe the MVP goes to Hassan Reddick you can get a plus 5,000 right now to win a MVP um you can also Holy get crap yeah you can also get AJ Brown plus 1,200 to win MVP receivers have won it in the past I didn't go back and look. I didn't see if a tight end has ever won it in the past, but Travis Kelsey is at plus 1,200 to win. Uh, now we're going to go into some of the crazy prop bets that you can do. What color liquid will pour on the winning coach of the Super Bowl 56? 
You can... I love that this comes up every year. <laughs> so blue is plus 900. So you can get blue for plus 900. You can get red for plus 700. Purple for plus 650. Um, and so those will be, be your Gatorade bets. The next thing I have is the halftime show. I mean, who doesn't love the bet on the halftime show? I mean, every, I mean, me. What's the I, bet for the halftime show that it's gonna? Oh be my gosh! Because you don't understand how many bets they have for the halftime show. Like that is, it, this is crazy what you can bet on on the halftime show. Because I never, and I feel like betting on it because I never watch the halftime show. I'm always, I'm always disengaged for the halftime show. I don't care who it was. I mean, last year. They had West Coast rappers, and I was really in on that. And I actually oh, watched last it. Oh, year, last year's was so good. Last year was so good. This year is Rihanna, and you can actually bet on the halftime show. So the first thing is uh, Rihanna's first outfit. It could be blue for plus 1,200, uh, pink or purple for plus 1,200, orange for plus 2,000. Brown for plus six hundred. So, oh my God, that's an actual bet. <laughs> like I just love the Super Bowl because of the things that you can bet on. On this case, and uh, I muted my mic for most of that laugh, but oh my God, that is so funny. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and then um, next is what will be her first song. So you can get "Needed Me" for plus fifteen hundred. Work for plus fifteen hundred. Hate that I love you for plus two thousand. Rude boy for plus sixteen hundred. And unfaithful uh, for twenty five hundred. Plus twenty five hundred. Ooh, are are any of those a new single? Because she's dropping a new album. I feel like she's got to start the show with a new one. I don't know. I mean, when's her new album come out? Um, I don't have the, I could probably look up the date. It's, it's her first album, I think in like six years. Uh, oh, wow. Yeah. So that's why it's a big deal that she's actually doing the show. Um, Auntie comes March 30th, 2020. Oh wait, no. Uh, that was, uh, she spoke about making a new album then. Uh, really... Her first song in over six years, Lift Me Up, was released on October 28th, 2022. So that's when the single came out. Lift Me Up? Let, let me see if I can find the odds for Lift oh, Me Up. Oh, that was that just got nominated for an Oscar for because uh, it was in Black Panther 2. Oh, was it? Yeah, that just got nominated for an Oscar, actually. Let me see if I can... All right, God, let I... me see if I can look see where Lift Me Up. I think that might have been the favorite because there were some favorites. That but... That has to be the favorite. That's the newest song. Let me see. National Anthem. Last play. How many times were we All right. Halftime show number of songs. I could have swore it was a whole new album coming out. I'm trying to pull up just her discography. Now. All right. So Lift Me Up is actually plus 500. Okay, so it's the favorite. Well, no, the favorite is Don't Stop the Music and What's My Name. So don't stop the music is at plus three hundred and what my what's my name is plus three fifty. Okay. So I was just giving you the long shot odds because of some of the ones you can get you can get higher for plus fifteen hundred as well. Okay. Yeah. But I was just giving you some of the long <laughs> shot. Where have you been is plus eight hundred. Okay. Like 
Like, I mean, I don't know Rihanna that much, but I feel like betting on the halftime show just so I'll be interested in that part of the game as well. She starts uh, with like she starts with like freaking umbrella. That'd be so funny. Yeah, umbrella is plus five fifty. <laughs> I'm picking all the favorites. <laughs> You're picking all the favorites, so like I'm going with like the the long shot one. So yes, I'm trying not to defeat the purpose of the segment. I promise. <laughs> Yeah. So, <laughs> so and then the, and then the next halftime show uh, bet that you know I sort of liked with cool long shot odds. You can, will Rihanna trip and fall during <laughs> the halftime show? You can get it for plus sixteen hundred right now. Oh my god! Do you have any more? I have to hear a couple more Rihanna bets. That's so funny. If you want more Rihanna bets for the halftime show? Let me see. Um, if they're easy to pull up. I, yeah, they're, I got them right here. So. Oh, my right. God. These are, so these are killing through. me. So, to occur during Rihanna's performance on stage, ASAP Rocky to appear on the stage, plus 300. Rihanna to suffer a wardrobe malfunction, plus 500. 500? <laughs> Yes. Rihanna to confirm that her lyrics were censored by the NFL, negative 105. <laughs> so Jay-Z to appear on stage, plus 300. Drake to appear on stage, plus 500. Rihanna to propose marriage to ASAP Rocky, oh. plus 2,500. <laughs> yes. Bro, I, I love every one of these. Every Rihanna- one of these bets is great. Rihanna to announce that she is pregnant, plus 800. Rihanna to announce her son's name, plus 800. Rihanna to open an umbrella. Just to open an umbrella. It's plus 275. Parlay the crap out of that one. Parlay the crap out of that one. She she has to. That one's going to happen. Yeah, parlay that with the over because I think the get eagle get the Eagles minus two and a half and parlay the over with that bet. That's probably a good one to do. But um, Rihanna to wear a bucket hat plus seven. Oh my God, I I, I can't with these bets. These are great. Yeah, I... <laughs> yeah. The the halftime shows are really really good. There's commercial ones too, like. Let me see. Let me find the commercial ones. There weren't any. Um, there weren't any long shot commercial ads that I really saw because they're, um, they're sort of like one versus the other. So there has they, to be there has to be Gronkowski making this alleged live kick that he's supposedly going to take. I didn't see that. No, I did not see that. Um, Oh, I but, thought that's what he was supposed to do for this ad that he's allegedly doing. Yeah. So, but I mean, there's, I mean, I love, I love, like, I I have, like, because the Chiefs and the Eagles are in the Super Bowl, I have a little money. So I, you know, I was just like, I'm going to bet on some prop bets, but I don't know which ones yet because I haven't decided. But the ones that I did you, do. You got two weeks. You can take your time. <laughs> yeah, the ones that I did do. I mean, I'm going to make a parlay because I just got to make a parlay. But the ones that I did, um, the one, there's a three-legged parlay that I liked, which was Devontae Smith of the Eagles will have 120 more receiving yards, one or more touchdowns, and Philadelphia to win the game, 
Uh, you can get that for. Oh, let me see the odds on that. You can get that for uh, plus. Um, oh, odds nineteen. I think it was plus eighteen hundred or nineteen hundred. So I really like that one. I really like that parlay. So I mean, I think if I think the Eagles will win the game. It's hopefully it'll probably be passing if they win the game because they'll probably have to keep up with Kansas City. And Devontae Smith having 120 or more receiving yards and a touchdown is really what I'm betting on because um, I think the Eagles will win the game. So I took that bet, um, and then I took the Hassan Reddick um, Super Bowl MVP, um, and then I'm gonna I'm probably gonna make a parlay later in the later before we get there, but. You know, I think Rihanna opening an umbrella is a good parlay bet. I love it. Oh, my God. Did you have any more? Um, was that I mean, uh, all of Jimmy B's a, long shots? Those are Jimmy B's long shots. But, I mean, if you just want fun bets to win on this, I mean, um, there's there's just so many, like, to go through them all and tell you exactly. I mean, it would take a whole show just to basically go through all of these or not. There's there actually is a long shot for commercials that I like uh, versus the, this one I did like this commercial one. So which advertisement will be first? Avocados from Mexico is at minus nine hundred versus Hellman's, which is at plus five hundred. So if a Hellman's commercial pops up before avocados from Mexico. You can get plus five hundred on that bet. That was the advertisement bet that I liked. That's that's awesome. Because <laughs> you can get some decent odds on that one. Yeah. I. Oh my god. That's there's. Uh, I don't know. That's. Hmm. I have to like think Dan. That. That's like funny. Dan. Like <laughs> if you're gonna make a bet or if you want to have some fun with the Super Bowl, just go to Bovada. Look at the bets, man. I think you'll like them. You know. I'll. I'll. <laughs> convince convince Joan to let you throw 25 bucks on whatever bets that you want to bet on. Yeah. You know, have some I, fun with the Super Bowl. At least, the, you know. It's the end of the season. It's the Super Bowl. I, I think I have a good case to, um, I think I have a good case to scrape up 25 bucks for this. I, <laughs> yes. I mean, if you're going to make your first bet, I mean, have some fun with the Super Bowl because, you know, the 49ers didn't make it, but, you know, make the game a little bit more interesting for you. I'm planning on making the half show a little bit more interesting for me. So, yes. Yeah. <laughs> oh my God. Well, guys, I think with that, oh my God. Um, yeah. Next week, obviously, we don't have a game to talk about. Um, we'll we'll figure something to talk about. Um, <laughs> we didn't. Uh, we haven't talked exactly yet, but we're we're. I'm down to have a show next week. I don't want to take this week off just because. Um, I don't know. Maybe something interesting will happen in the Pro Bowl games. I don't know. But uh, we will come back next week. Um, we're obviously two weeks away from the Super Bowl, which will be Philadelphia Eagles and the Kansas City Chiefs. Uh, James, uh, let the people know where they can reach out to us uh, in the meantime. All right, guys. If you want to reach us to out on Niner, on Twitter, we're on Twitter. Just go to at Niner Nuts on Twitter. Um, and you can reach out to us there. Just follow us on there. Uh, once we get to plus 2,000 followers, we will uh, probably have some sort of uh, contest or something. So we're trying to get to pl- uh, 2,000 followers. If you can get on there and follow us, we'll have like a nice special prize for you. 
Uh, we haven't discussed it yet, but I'm sure we'll do something nice because we did something nice at a, at a thousand followers. Uh, if you uh, leave a five star review and you can't write one, uh, just email us at four nine ernuts at gmail.com. Just leave the five star review on Spotify or Odyssey or wherever you're listening to the podcast. And then write a review, and we will read every five-star review on the air. That's 49ernuts at gmail.com, 49ernuts at gmail.com. Like I said, or if you just want to chat with us and you got a long thing that you like to say, we have a mailbag. If you want to ask us a question, if you ask us a question in our little mailbag, we'll read it on the air. We'll give you a little advice. You know, it, it can be anything. It could be relationship advice. It could be stock market advice. Whatever you want. You want advice, just email us at 49ernuts at gmail.com. If you want any official merchandise by us, you should just Google Niner Nuts Apparel. uh, Go to the bonfire.com link. All our apparel currently is being sold to raise money for DC Human Trafficking Recovery Centers until Dan Snyder sells the commanders. And, you know... I talked earlier today, he's probably going to sell it, but do something really, really bad for the draft and set this team <laughs> set this team up really bad in the draft. <laughs> like, I just see it right now. You're going to force me to sell my team. Well, I'm going to give I'm going to make sure you're not in a good position to do anything. I just see that happening right now. But anyway, buy our T-shirts. We got some great T-shirts on there with our logos. We also have a owner standoff shirt that was designed by draft guru Steve. Um, so if you want any of those shirts, just go to just Google Nylonest Apparel, go to the bonfire.com, get up there. All proceeds go to human trafficking recovery centers in DC. Uh, follow us on our Facebook page at Niner Nuts. Um, and, you know, I think. That's basically it. Dan, did you have anything else you'd like to say before we sign off? Um, honestly, it just feels pointless to look at some some other people's news right now besides the confirmation that Purdy tore his UCL. Listeners, if you don't know, that requires a very, very serious surgery. It's not common in bas- uh, football, but in baseball, it is a very, very serious injury for pitchers because the specific ligament is basically what gets torqued when you pull your arm back and then let it go to make a throw. So, it's- yeah, and just just so you know, listeners, Bryce Harper is getting this surgery, and he got it in uh, November, and he's not going to be back until after the All Star break in in baseball, which is in July. So you're looking at, what is that? That's eight months, Easy. not eight, easily eight, nine months before Brock Purdy could be back if once after surgery. Yeah, I think Shefty's optim. If it was a complete tear, I think Shefty's six months was a typo or way too optimistic. Everything I've read said that this is nine to 12 months. Nine in a perfect scenario means he's not, even ready to like really get into conditioning until September, which is the start of the year starting on PUP. God knows if he could even play at all next year. So God, my, my heart goes out to Purdy. 
I, I really, really hope this rehab goes well, assuming he gets the surgery soon. He is getting a second opinion from what I just read. But, um, but no, my, I, I love this kid so much. I, I'd hate to see him lose the starting job this year because of this, but it looks like that's where we're going towards. We, could, we have plenty of offseason time to address all that. So I guess for this being the last time we'll talk about the Niners in season, um, damn, guys, it was a hell of a run. It was an absolute hell of a run. It was a great season, I think, still overall. It sucks right now, but, yo, always next year. It's, I don't know, we have so much to celebrate from this year. Like I said, I'm so proud of this team. Still love this team from the bottom of my heart. Sucks we're not going to be talking about them for the next two weeks in season, but you know what? I We got we got a great organization. We got great leadership in the organization. We're, we're going to be just fine. Yeah. So, guys, with that, um, you know, it's been a great season for 49ers. It's been great going on this journey with you guys. I really enjoy all the fan interaction that we have on the Facebook page and or the, the Twitter page, I should say, um, and all the interaction, um, you know, and all, all the things that you're tagging us in. We really, really enjoy that. Keep doing that. Um, you know, we're going to hopefully going to the offseason doing – uh, some of the causes that we're passionate about, um, such as mental illness and things like that. So we're going to try to go into the offseason doing what we did last season, um, but we're going to try to uh, incorporate more San Francisco Bay area places um, in the podcast to make it, you know, last year we basically did Florida, um, you know, pod, you know, organizations, but um, we're going to look into um, maybe getting some um, San Francisco Bay Area organizations and charities and things like that that we're passionate about. And we're going to try to get them on the show for the offseason. So look look towards that um, coming up during the offseason, during the downtime when there isn't much to talk about. So um, just look for that. But anyway, just going to say outro music, River Road by Justin Mew. River Road, you got me running way back home. River Road, you got me running all night long. You got me singing some canal boat song. River Road, River Road, you got me running all night long.